Welcome to Stemiverse Podcast Episode 25. In this episode, Peter and Marcus talk with Kieran Nolan. This episode is special because while it might not seem that it's about education, it actually is. In this discussion, Kieran takes us for a ride in the world of networks, blockchains, total online transparency, and 10-year-old students creating their own cryptocurrencies. Stay with us, it'd be worth it. Kieran Nolan is a qualified network engineer, certified cloud migration architect, and educational technologist with certifications from Google, Microsoft, and Cisco, and a degree in network engineering. He's got over 10 years of experience working in schools from K to 12. Under Kieran's leadership, Wurana Park Primary School in Victoria, Australia has established itself as an exemplar in introducing the digital world to students. The school has led the way in establishing a 24-7 international virtual learning environment in Minecraft, Victoria's first coded dojo, Australia's first immersive education club, the world's youngest Cisco class, and the very first school on the blockchain. This is Stemiverse Podcast Episode 25. Welcome to Stemiverse, the podcast that helps educators become awesome at teaching STEM, be it at home or in the classroom. I'm Peter Dalmaris, and with my co-host, Marcus Sharpie, our mission is to bring you the experiences of educators, students, and stakeholders who strive every day to make the teaching and learning of science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and art better. Hey, Marcus. Um, welcome hey. back. Hey, Peter. How are you? Oh, all good. It's been a very hectic day, but... Uh, uh, finally, I've been waiting for this for a long time to talk to Kieran about Bitcoin and blockchain mm-hmm. in education. And um, to our audience, uh, if that sounds like mumbo jumbo talk, uh, just stay with us. <laughs> we'll explain what Bitcoin is, what blockchain is, and um, how that relates to education. Mm-hmm. So, Kieran, really uh, thank you for joining us on STEM this podcast. Uh, we've been, uh, we planned this uh, a while ago and finally uh, it's happening today. Um, when I heard that you do Bitcoin in schools and blockchain in schools, uh, uh, that was very intriguing for me. Uh, we, uh, I've been monitoring the world of Bitcoin and blockchain for a while now, but I never thought that it's got applications in education. So can't wait to hear. <laughs> so what is this Bitcoin thing? <laughs> um, well, did, did, did you want to sort of jump into how it relates to education or did you want to sort of talk about the fundamentals of, of Bitcoin first? Actually, actually, uh, who are you? <laughs> yeah, who are you? That's a good point. That's a good question, yeah. Um, so, Mark, do you, do you want a bit about my, my background? Yeah, a bit about your background and how all that brings you to where you are now. That would be awesome. Probably the, the best place to start is, is a story, actually, that me, myself and uh, a principal tell to visitors when they usually come through um, about my education in high school. So my, my parents sent me to a, a private school and in around, I think it was year eight or year nine, the, uh, the school introduced a really hardcore computer network mm-hmm. with... Um, really awesome computers and like all the kids really excited to like start using them because we didn't really have anything before that. And then they proceeded to teach us 
Excel spreadsheets, like the most boring stuff you can possibly imagine. <laughs> it's like amazing network. Which school? Actually, uh, so this was oh well, this is a uh, De La Salle. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but it's a, a Catholic no. private school in Melbourne. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, they were, they were pretty cool. Um, but anyway, so my myself and uh, a few of my friends got got access to the these computers, and like what what that did by like, introducing the uh, the hardware in the school was give us access to a network. Hmm. So we ended up hacking the school server and we set up a, uh, a Quake server and I became <laughs> surrogate admin for about 60 or so kids getting connected to that server. And then that, like what that sort of told me was like, you know, what's this UIP, what's, the, what's an IP address, like what's subnetting, like how does this network work? Oh my God, like maths has an actual application now, like before then I didn't sort of care. So. That's been my journey ever since then. So I sort of went on from there to work at, uh, obviously, into games. So I managed the uh, EV games uh, mm-hmm. for, for a number of years while, while I was studying at uh, Swinburne. So I did my um, uh, network engineering degree and did uh, my CCMP, like my Cisco mm-hmm. CCMP as part of that degree. Cisco, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then started working with... Uh, the Catholic Education Office, like for the uh, networks, so between about five schools, mm-hmm. and then from there, uh, I actually that's that's where I'm at now. Matt, mm-hmm. Richard, so you guys are interviewed, and we actually created one of the first schools in the cloud, kind of before Google Apps. So we were using like Dropbox, and um, we weren't paperless. Like this was like ten years ago, which is just pretty cool. So what's the school in the cloud? Ah, so basically we went one-to-one devices and every student with a device so we didn't need to print out worksheets and hand them out and put everything in Dropbox. Then we moved to a school up in Port Macquarie, St. Columba, and we went completely Mm -hmm. in the cloud there. So we used Google Apps, sort of ubiquitously across the school, K-12, and um, yeah, did a massive migration. So that was it was huge. And then um, yeah, I came back to Melbourne and found uh, Warana Park. Actually, somebody tweeted me a um, an article that the principal wrote, and uh, uh, the title was uh, "What if Walt Disney built a school?" And mm. I was like, "Wow, this, this place <laughs> seems pretty cool." So I went and went and checked it out, and, and the principal hit it off. And uh, yeah, for the last four years or so. We've been doing some pretty cool, actually going on five years now, been doing some pretty cool stuff and we've uh, created the first school on the blockchain, which is really, really exciting because it's, uh, I think the like the, the, the biggest thing for, for me is looking at like a computer network and looking at like authenticated data and looking at something like proof of existence, which is what the blockchain allows you to do, and then implementing that in schools. And we can sort of break that down. But that's okay. that's my history anyway. <laughs> so from a school in the cloud, you now move a school to the blockchain. Uh, so I think we're going to have to explain what a blockchain is. I think so. So I think I think the, the best way to think about it is at the moment, um, like do you guys use uh, Facebook? Yep. Okay. So Facebook or, Facebook or Google or whatever, pick your poison. All really cool services work work pretty well, but they're all centralized. So think of like a, uh, like a hub and spoke, like so central server and everyone's sort of talking to that server one by one sort of thing all around. Um, if that server goes down, you know, that network goes down. So like say you've got a school and you have one server, that server goes down, everything sort of dies in the school. 
the same sort of thing happens like with with these online services or like anything that's in the cloud, so like like Facebook or whatever. If say Zuckerberg disagrees with your politics, they can just take your stuff down with Facebook. Or same with YouTube. If Google disagrees with your politics or Twitter, blah blah blah. The same journalists have this stuff taken to Twitter. And that's because they own the data, right? The data that describe same political positions uh, in the databases, which they have total access and control. That's right. That's right. So it's all that's all centralized. Um, systems and they, like, they work pretty well, but like like I said, if you sort of disagree with them, like we've seen all these journals and all the rest of it, the data is yep. We moved from these centralized systems to decentralized networks. So, have you guys ever used torrents before? Uh, yeah, uh, only we'll, to download we'll legal, legal Linux distributions. Yeah, yeah. But we'll have to explain what that is. <laughs> The Game of Thrones, anyone? <laughs> uh, I, I paid a lot of money for that, actually. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> I think it was the most targeted like uh, TV show ever. But uh, like, it is a, a le legitimate uh, services like you can download Linux distributions and uh, all different things using using torrent. So for our audience, what what is a torrent? Because see, we we're going down the rabbit hole now. Um, yeah, yeah. The, to explain blockchain, we'll have to explain uh, torrents. Maybe we'll just say it's where you get movies off the back of a truck on the internet. <laughs> but I think the idea with torrents is that it's a single file eventually that is assembled on your own computer, but the various bits that make up that file come from many different places around the internet. Is that a fair description for what a torrent is? 100%. Mm -hmm. yep. It doesn't come from a single server, it comes from uh, potentially thousands of different Fragments. computers. Yeah, it could, could be millions all over the world. So that's that's the decentralized network. And right. now we have a thing called the blockchain. So the blockchain is the underlying technology to Bitcoin and a whole bunch of other altcoins and different cryptocurrencies and all these different networks, Hyperledger and from IBM and all Microsoft are getting into it, everyone. Um, but basically, a blockchain is instead of having fragments of these files, you have the whole file replicated across millions of computers, or well, potentially millions of computers. So you have uh, it gets gets a bit in depth, like you have miners and nodes, and like we've been studying that with the kids, like we're actually building our own nodes here. But you kind of don't have to know about that to understand the difference between the three. So you have centralized, decentralized. That's that's the torrents where you have fragments of the files. And then distributed with those files and replicated completely all over the network. So that's why it's that's why it's so cool because now you can have like like I mentioned before a thing called uh, proof of existence, whereas we never had anything like that um, with, with the old network. Is it proof of existence or is it proof of work? Are they different things or are they the same thing? Oh, maybe. They're two different things. So proof of work is more to do with the, the minus, and that, that gets a bit more complex. But proof of existence, I think everyone can kind of grasp, and that's the thing that I think relates most to education. Um, and it's essentially where you have your, so say you come up with, say on this podcast now, we came up with an invention, and we're like, oh, my God, we want to patent that invention. How do we go about that? Now, historically, you go to these central authorities and go, can I please patent this and pay money or whatever? But now with the the blockchain, we could go, okay, cool. We've got this idea, we're gonna put on the blockchain authenticated with millions of computers all around the world, timestamped at this time, is this is ours. 
Right. And so if you think about that, you could do, now you can come up with an invention, you can take a photo, you can uh, do your homework, you can do everything, and it's authenticated that it's actually you who did that at that time with a, with a private key. So it's um, yeah, super exciting. Ah, right. So instead of proof of work, it's proof of homework. Proof of homework, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the miners aren't Bitcoin miners, they're youngsters. Yeah. Different type of miner. Oh, right. Sorry, yeah. bad jokes. The mining work. As soon as you become a father, <laughs> the jokes just become terrible. <laughs> Lost the sense of humor. Okay. Yes. Or actually changed. Right. So I think the, the Bitcoin is the most, you know, it's in the news. It's uh, an implementation of the blockchain that people are more familiar with, even if they don't quite understand what the Bitcoin is. It's just um, you hear it on the news. But what you're saying is that the technology behind the Bitcoin has got applications far away from finance and payment systems to anything that requires proof of something having been done in the past. Uh, and it's, I think you called it decentralized? Is that? Uh, di the, uh, distribu or decentralized and distributed. Distributed. And distribution means that everybody has got a copy of the proof as well. You don't have to ask somebody to provide proof, right? It's, it's on your computer if you have downloaded the blockchain, which is publicly available. Exactly right. So can you give us some examples of other applications of the blockchain? Um, outside of education and, and finance, who else might be interested in something like that? I can give you hundreds. Let's <laughs> go <laughs> <laughs> three. Yeah. Um, well, we actually, I've had some really interesting conversations with some of the kids looking at um, some of the tech tech behind it. So, like coming up with different inventions and um, different ideas, like to sort of, like this, this to, just to give you a like, background of the school, like this, the pedagogical practices of this school are a little bit different to other schools. So, the kids at 10 years old are quite mature because they do like Socratic circles and they do Enigma missions. So that's like basically self-directed learning. So the projects that they work on for up to two years, everything from like Einstein's equations to anything you can do. So when I have conversations about like the applications of the blockchain, I get quite mature sort of responses, like more so than you would think in your average sort of 10, 11 year old. But Things like uh, looking at water filtration. So I think the new Lego Robotics team, like the new uh, map has come out. So they're looking at um, like the whole thing is about, you know, how, how does water get filtered and, and how does it all work? Well, we're talking with the kids, like we were saying, okay, well, how could we implement the blockchain to, to help with water filtration? So instead of like when you turn the tap on and the person drinking it being the tester to see if that water's clean or not, surely we could have technology that could do a better job than that. So we're thinking instead of having transactions, you have every time the tap is turned on, you have like a Raspberry Pi device that authenticates that that water is clean and the transaction is the person turning the tap. So then you have a network of houses turning their taps or authenticating that the water is clean. And if one of them comes up, say, red, it goes, oh, nope, this is not authenticating with the rest of the network, then everybody gets a, a warning sort of thing. So, that, so that's one application, that, like a potential one that doesn't have a monetary mm -hmm. aspect to it. So just to, just to summarize that, so the, the taps equipped with the sensors and the Raspberry Pis produce uh, blocks uh, that become part of the blockchain, the public blockchain of, say, water quality 
uh, yep. in the area, potentially a whole country. And that because that's public uh, data, I suppose, in the blockchain, it can be read by all other tabs. And therefore, it can become an early warning system about water quality. Yep, yep. Um, and it's, it's transparent as well. Mm. I think that's, that's, the, um, that's the key behind the, the blockchain. So Transparent, you mean that it's not... Uh, actually, I'll allow you to explain. What, what do you mean by transparent? So, so if you probably... You probably need a, a visualization, I suppose. But if you go on to, if you type into Google like real-time Bitcoin, there's a whole bunch of websites mm -hmm. that that show you real-time transactions happening all over the world. So you'll see one fly past the screen, mm -hmm. and that could be a transaction between like me and you guys now, or me and the person sitting next to me, or you guys and someone over in China. And the network doesn't know where you guys are but it's transparent, meaning that everybody can see that these two parties, so a peer-to-peer -peer network, these mm. two parties had a transaction between each other. Oh. So same, same implications for, for, the, for the water or the, the water filtration concept. So it's because it's transparent, everybody can see in the network. Okay, okay. cool. Because you mentioned uh, real-time Bitcoin and what transparency means, so I'm looking at that website that you mentioned, and it really has real-time data on what is happening in the Bitcoin world. So what the exchange rate is and the changes almost by the second, how much power is consumed by all the various Bitcoin activity around the world, how much money is being sent right now, estimated money sent, and how many Bitcoins are in circulation. I suppose Bitcoins increase in, uh, in numbers as they're being mined or created inside computers, and it's about 16,630,250 Bitcoins. So that's what you mean. Like all that information is publicly available and it's extracted by just looking at the blockchain, which everybody has access to. Yeah, yeah, hmm. exactly right. And, I mean, and it's it's pretty it's pretty exciting. Like when you look at something like this, as opposed to say like uh, the, the alternative being being fiat currency, I suppose, where it's all kind of cloak and dagger. Nobody knows what's going on. Like this is completely transparent so you can see what's somebody, happening all over the world. Somebody just sent $74,000 worth of Bitcoin to somebody. US. <laughs> US dollars, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So uh, what I'd like to know is how does this scale? Because I can imagine that the more popular the, the network, network becomes, you're keeping a local copy of the ledger. The computing power and the network that you'd need to have to be able to, I guess, stay current with the ledger would be you know, going exponentially up. And then you get into the situation where I guess only a large organization, well, like a bank, could actually do this. So how do they get around that? The blockchain will be so big that only a large organization will be able to host it. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a bit of a debate about that, well, huge debate about that at the moment. So it's uh, SegWit, SegWit2, uh, Bitcoin Gold and Bitcoin Cash, which are like mm. all different forks of the original blockchain sort of happening at the moment. I guess, so it gets quite complex. So there's like some people saying that the block sizes need to be bigger. Some people saying we can do segregated witness, so um, transactions basically off the blockchain. And yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's a bit all over the place, but it's kind of exciting at the same time because People are coming to a consensus as to how we sort of move forward and how it scales. But but in terms of like how this sort of can compete against, um, say, banks or the current system, I've got an 
awesome story from, from last week. So my, my, my folks have just moved back from Ireland, uh, back to Australia uh, to live. So they, they sort of moved over for uh, two years. They've come back here and I think they're, they're going to stay for a while, um, sort of between here and Europe. Uh, but they, they needed a car. So I uh, had a look online and found out, like, I drive a smart car. So I'm, uh, I, I love smart cars. So I was like, all right, I'll see if I can find you guys a smart car. Um, found one and I was like, all right, let's go get it. So went to go pick it up, went to do a, uh, a bank transfer. There's a daily limit of a thousand bucks. Went to try nice. PayPal. There's a limit on that. Tried our credit cards. Tried, I tried my mom's PayPal. That didn't work. So I was like, okay, um, have you got a computer upstairs? And the guy was like, yeah. It's like, all right, let's go upstairs. So set him down, taught him how, the, the, how Bitcoin worked. And after about an hour of going back and forth, saying, oh, can I trust this, whatever. Um, yeah, I bought my parents a car with Bitcoin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, I was so excited. I was like, oh, my. So for less than one BTC. I was actually going to buy, buy my parents a car, so I was, I was like over the moon. <laughs> so the, the great thing there I think that, that's the power of the tech, like that peer-to-peer -peer transaction where you don't have like a central authority saying, no, you can't do that like with your own money yeah. sort of thing. So it was, it was really, really amazing to see like all the, all I, the tech didn't you, work. How long, once you sent the Bitcoin from your wallet to the dealer's wallet, how long did it take for the transaction to be accepted by the network and basically to be completed and take the keys for the car? Well, actually it was instant because we, it's actually, the, the transaction we did was off-chain, so through a company called Coinjar, we're actually yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm a customer of Coinjar. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. It's, so it's a company uh, that's based in Melbourne, an Australian company. Yeah, 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 really, really cool guys. So yeah, we use that, and and that was the, I found that's the easiest way. Like even my, my coffee guy in the morning, like I thought he had to use Coinjar just because it's easier, and like then you don't have to worry about. It. Like you know, you go to some places they're like, oh, it has to be over ten dollars to yeah. use Chad. So yeah, I've got like my coffee guy in the morning using Coinjar <laughs> instead. Just so there are physical places that accept Bitcoin for payment, even for like tiny things like a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, in fact, I've just, just got back from Japan and we did the, the whole trip on the blockchain because uh, Japan's uh, recognized Bitcoin as a national currency. National cool. currency. As the national or one of the national. So there's a yuan and the yen, sorry, the yen, and then the Bitcoin. That's amazing. And so, is, is it taxed like, like can an employee get paid in Bitcoin and then be taxed on it? By government yeah in, in fact that would be a more reasonable way of doing things because mm. like like we were saying before like it's all transparent so anything that's on the blockchain you don't have to go back and audit it later on because it's already sort of happened and that's and you can get into smart contracts with ethereum and all the rest of it and see where where it's sort of progressing but um yeah i would say it's definitely the way forward to uh, to pay employees in, in bitcoin or, or an altcoin, cryptocurrencies in general, like they, they sort of differ in terms of like the code behind them. Like uh, some of them sort of disregard Satoshi's uh, mm -hmm. original code altogether. But all right. um, essentially, they all have blockchains and work relatively the same way. Okay, we're we're not a financial podcast, but <laughs> but so steering it back 
steering it back to education, if I wanted to buy an education for my children, which is the best coin currency to invest in? <laughs> Cryptocurrency. <laughs> um, that's a good question. It's definitely educational. It's educational question. <laughs> Having just looked at the fees, oh my god. Uh, well, well, I'm, I'm agnostic. So, like, like we were saying before the podcast, like on, with, with different um, hardware, I try to be as agnostic as possible. Uh, with the cloud, we try to be as agnostic as possible, like within the school. So we're obviously using Google Apps, SSO with uh, Office 365 and all the cloud technologies with that. So I've tried to replicate that as much as possible with the blockchain. So, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't like to sort of just pigeonhole one and say this is the future. I mean, obviously, financially, BTC is probably the, uh, the way forward. But um, there's, a whole, there's hundreds of other cryptocurrencies that offer services. Uh, like one, one in particular, that I, or two in particular, that I'm really excited about that we've implemented at the school. Uh, one's called Storage, so S-T-O-R-J, and that's essentially like Dropbox. Have you guys used Dropbox before? Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, everyone's kind of used that. Fanatically. That's essentially, yeah, it's essentially that, but decentralized and on a distributed network. So like this spare hard drive space you have on your computer, you rent it to the network, everything's encrypted. And instead of your data going all the way over to AWS servers in the States or wherever they are, and then back to you, the data is always closest to you and completely secure. So we've actually backed up our school Minecraft server on the storage blockchain. So it's essentially the first Minecraft server on the blockchain. So it's, that's pretty, wow. it's pretty is it, exciting. Is it encrypted or...? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so your data is always encrypted and always closest to you. So you, you own the private keys to it. And actually, we, the kids have actually set up a, um, a hard drive to rent out space back to the network as well. So how much can you rent out space for? Different pricing depending on how much space you have. Sort of thing. So I think if you go to one TV one hard drive... Cent, one and a half cent per gigabyte per month. There you go. <laughs> okay. So it's not... Do they take Bitcoin? Uh, no, no, they've got their own, own cryptocurrency. That... Really? So they're, okay, so hold on a second. It's a company and they've got their own currency? Yes. Uh, yes. We're going to go down the rabbit hole of ICOs <laughs> now. Look at that, look at that. Can I pay in BTC or storage? <laughs> storage, yeah. <laughs> well, so the, the BTC network is kind of separate to that. So the storage uh, network actually launched on a thing called Counterparty. Um, and I think it was Counterparty, and that's that's what we launched our school coin on as well. So we actually made our own cryptocurrency at the school called Borana Coin, um, just to see if we could. It's not actually worth any money, but it was just a, an exercise to, to make our own coin. And then they moved, storage moved to uh, Ethereum and did like a, a second ICO, which is initial coin offering, and um, they're, they're still running on the Ethereum network, I think, for uh, for, the, for their crypto. But that, that's just one of the one of the blockchains that we're using at the school. Like there's another one called uh, Steam, so S T E E M. So Steam it is a is essentially like a um, social media platform slash uh, YouTube replacement slash uh, podcast uh, system replacement. Uh, all on the blockchain where people are incentivized through a cryptocurrency to write meaningful, create meaningful content. So if you go on there, it's all original, well thought out uh, articles that are, and, and videos and, and now podcasts. Uh, only, and like podcasts only is like a couple of weeks ago. 
they launch DTube work on the Steemit network. And so that essentially means that your data is immutable. And that's what that's what's uh, most exciting about like the, the Steam network. Like you can draw your data, it's immutable and you can potentially get rewarded for it. So I would suggest actually for this this podcast to, to put it on YouTube. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now as you speak. So the, what I start to realize that is that the blockchain uh, through the through what's happening with Bitcoin and the attention that it's getting, it's actually changing whole industries uh, and even governments because then I can see that there could be potentially a lot of applications for government you know, corruption and all that, that sounds like, <laughs> government sounds like a perfect application for the blockchain just because of the issue of transparency. Mm -hmm. It'd be very hard to be corrupt <laughs> or to engage in corrupt behavior when, you know, that everything's exposed. Um, so um, one uh, question that I've got now is back to education. How does all that achieve educational outcomes for students in a school like yours for example i can see that your students are becoming very strong in computer science potentially in understanding how complex networks work uh, future currencies and things of that sort but apart from those specific skills do you think that there's education to be done based on the the cryptocurrencies and the blockchain in particular yeah, yeah, no, completely. So I think there's multiple levels to it. So there's learning about the technology, so the networking side of it. Um, I mean, we've got, I would say, the youngest Cisco class in the world. I've got some year twos doing Cisco at the school, which is insane. But taking taking that, like the passion for networking, building our networks, and then applying that to to blockchain technology. That's that's quite exciting. Or even just, just just learning about decentralized networks and distributed networks and how they work. That's that's super exciting. But mm. then there's so say kids are not interested in that, they could still utilize the blockchain. And I would say Steemit is probably the best example. So for for our school, like we've got instead of um, classrooms, we've got what's called learning communities. Mm. So we have uh, like my my classroom that I'm sitting in now is called the Enigma Portal. Uh, we've got a dragon boat in year two. We've got a spaceship that's in the year three unit, like a castle and crap. So it's pretty cool. Uh, but these learning communities, like Encoded Urge and Robotics and, and all the rest of it, mm -hmm. I've set them all up with Steemit accounts. So basically I got the idea from a school called Sidwell Friends over in, in the States. It's the, the school that Obama's kids went to mm -hmm. and went to, go, went to go and visit back in 2015 and they had um, had up the, it was in the year four unit really cool school like they had like secret service outside the, out the door and stuff. Like, oh, this is awesome dragged my girlfriend she hated it but <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they, they had this this twitter wall in uh, in the year i think it was the year four unit and they um get the kids to write like handwrite about tweets and then the best one or like what what the kids sort of voted to be the best one they put on their Twitter page for the school and then see how many thumbs up they got or how many likes they got. And uh, sort of teaching like digital citizenship through, you know, actually posting stuff online. Uh, I think it's easy because I think whichever has got the cutest cat gets yes. the most thumbs up. <laughs> that's, that's easy. That's right, yeah, true, true. But the, so I was thinking it's sort of taking that to, to the next level, so doing something similar to that, but do it on the blockchain, so do it on the, the Steemit network. 
So instead of getting a thumbs up or you know a like, potentially a learning community or a classroom. So it just doesn't have to be our school. Like any school could do this. In fact, I think I've uh, set up two other schools, one in New Zealand and one in uh, Sydney with their own accounts as well. But potentially like teaching entrepreneurship through writing meaningful content. So say the students come together and do a really cool project, they can put it on the blockchain and the blockchain or Steam at blockchain community can pay that classroom Steam dollars for whatever they've done. So what they can do with that, uh, like there's a, there's a website called Living Room of Satoshi and that it's an Australian, Australian group and they actually let you use Steam dollars and a whole bunch of other cryptos to pay your bills or do bank transfers. So essentially what you could do is have your students creating content and then buying things for their classrooms. So say you wanted a 3D printer or um, you need more 3D printer filament like there or anything you can think of. You want a new robot or a new, uh, new Lego for the classroom, you can actually teach entrepreneurship without having to make real money, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So in other words, apart from the specific technologies involved in blockchain, there's a lot of other social aspects to it. Uh, entrepreneurship is, is a big one. It comes out first, mm -hmm. but also, you know, uh, social skills like openness, for example, uh, transparency, like those concepts, I, I don't think they're obvious to kids. I think they're not obvious to adults <laughs> very often, but through this blockchain technology with examples, you can actually teach uh, fairly complicated concepts, advanced concepts to very young kids. Well, the, the, the other thing that we've done recently is uh, with the, the NEM blockchain, um, which is really exciting technology, is come up with our own voting system. So what would, so basically what we've done, I'll, I'll give you the background. Like, uh, I think it was about this time last year, uh, a philanthropist from, from the States by the name of Andrew Kwan came to our school and visited for the day. I was working one day out of the week at the blockchain center in the city. Actually, actually I was volunteering at the time through their Google Apps, through their Google Apps admin. And yeah, basically someone said, oh, go and check out Kieran's school. Like they're doing some pretty mm. cool stuff, uh, pretty innovative. So he came to our school, stayed the day, stayed for Credit Dojo. And um, unbeknownst to me, he had been to 200 schools across uh, the states, donating to each school, hardware, whatever he could. Um, essentially, he had been mining BTC in the early days and um, had sort of set out to try and fix education on his own. So he came, came to our school for the day and he said, dude, this is probably the best school I've ever been to in my life. Like, if That's I can awesome. take this, <laughs> if I can take, pick this school up and bring it to America or bring it to um, uh, South Korea, where, where his family's from, uh, this would well, fix everything. It's probably going to be a bit difficult to take the whole school to Korea. <laughs> well, just, just to finish that story, so, so Andrew saw our school and he donated 21 bitcoins to our school. Whoa. So, yeah. Okay. So well, how, much is that? <laughs> how much is that in dollars? Uh, One bitcoin right now is $7,500 Australian, I think. Yeah. Is it seven? Uh, yeah. $7,200. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a very good There you go. <laughs> uh, we've, we've sort of spent it before. Well, we've spent a lot of it before. Went out, uh, went uh, maybe you should keep those bitcoins. Don't spend them. <laughs> uh, well, uh, well it's, it was sort of to demonstrate that we could we could build our steam center. So we're building a steam center out of shipping containers in the school. So Bitcoin has funded the majority of the hardware going into that steam center. 
So, but, but what, what we wanted to do, going back to the voting thing, that, that's why I sort of had to just go, go through that story a little bit. Um, with that 21 BTC, instead of me being like an oligarch sort of saying, we need this hardware or that hardware, like I'm in control of you know, the, the technology at the school, I thought, let's let the kids and staff have a say. So we used, and that's actually how we sort of created our first cryptocurrency, we run a coin trying to do our own voting system. The NEM Foundation came along and they've set us up with a voting system on their blockchain. So we broke down like what what sort of stuff we'd need for a, a Steam Center, so um, some augmented reality, virtual reality, some megaspace equipment like 3D printers, uh, Android tablets, like all really well thought out uh, hardware broke that down and then everyone got to have a say and we actually voted on the blockchain for what hardware to spend the BTC on. So, so many applications for, for blockchain tech and so many layers to the learning that it's um, So how, how does voting work though? Can I can understand that a Bitcoin has a certain value that floats compared to other currencies, but uh, how does voting work? I, I can't I can't understand the uh, the mechanics behind it. Is it a putting your money where your mouth is kind of thing, or is it? Well, you can actually do it on a test net, so you can set it up, and that's what we were looking at originally. But the NEM Foundation actually set up a bot to send us enough uh, XEM, so they're they're in cryptocurrency attached to it, attached to the NIM network, and basically. Um, yeah, that, that was the big thing we were coming up against. Like, how do you do a voting system without having to pay for a transaction? So they've kind of covered the costs for us to do that on the live network. Um, and they've actually donated two nodes uh, for us to build at the store. And the those Chrome tablets that I showed you before, they've actually um, donated four of them. So we have, like, voting tablets that the kids can take around and nodes that are authenticated with all these thousands of other nodes around the world and their blockchain. Um, there's other stuff you can do with the NEM, NEM network, uh, but the voting thing is what I was most excited about. Now, with the voting, is it uh, anonymous voting or is it uh, public voting? Uh, well, it's, it's transparent but anonymous. So you can see, in fact, with the, so we actually did, we've done two votes so far that have been internal, so you can actually set them up sort of privately, so so they're contained within the school, but their results are public. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was an external vote, so the NEM community actually voted on whether or not they wanted to donate their hardware to the school. So that was, was like, really cool to see, like, both sort of um, voting systems and, and how they work. So obviously, like they said, the network said, yes, donate, donate uh, enough uh, of their cryptocurrency for us to buy some... Um, some hardware for the school to set up the notes and all the rest of it. So, yeah, two, two sort of different, so one's totally public, one's private, but all the results are public, but the um, actual transactions, like the same way we would do a transaction on the BTC network, is the same way it would happen on the, on the NIM network. Um, I, I see you're talking again, I'm just browsing the internet, <laughs> and uh, I came across a website called MeVote, so that's M-I, M-I-Vote.org.au, and it's blockchain voting and apparently there's vote number four open now for anybody that wants to vote and decide about Australians housing policy priorities so it looks like that's like a 
uh, grassroots uh, democracy movement where citizens, people vote on issues that are important to them, I suppose, uh, as a way to persuade politicians. But because this system is based on blockchain, you, you could say that it's totally transparent and reliable. Is that the idea behind it? Completely. Well, I think that's the way it's going to move. So we'll have voting systems. So instead of voting for, you know, trusted third parties, and that's what we mm. do with the moment. So, so that's what, like, so you know, you know how we're sort of using the example of like, Facebook as that centralized network? Like the, the current structure for, say, the government, that's a centralized network as well. So that's a yeah. trusted third party. Trusted third parties can be good and kind of work, or they can be really bad, like uh, Stalin. Or <laughs> well, they could be good now and then go bad later. Exactly, exactly. With the a distributed network, with the blockchain, everyone has an equal say and it's fair. And I think that's that's the key. Like, Actually, it was really interesting. I brought a suitcase back from Japan just filled with stuff that I bought for the kids. It's <laughs> so like old Nintendo controllers and like all crazy stuff. But um, there was, like they had a price tag on there, so like 100 yen is better. It's about $1. And the kids are like, is that $100? And it's like, no, it's $1. But it was a really good example of, of showing how, like, with Bitcoin, it's fair for everybody. So we were like, yeah, it's... So it's 100 there, but $1 here. Does that sound fair? Like, no. Like, well, with, with Bitcoin, it's the same in both countries. Like, you don't have to change between one and the other. So I think that's, that's the key to it, fairness. Hmm. So I was thinking, let's say that we've got a, a teacher listening or a parent listening, and uh, they are quite intrigued by this whole idea and the future of it. Like, there's a lot of promises in it. What can they do or where can they look for information or guidance to get involved in blockchain education? Uh, let's say step number one, what would that be like? I think probably the best for, for a teacher. I think it's, uh, it, get, it can get quite complex. Um, I mean, the, the blockchain center in Melbourne, uh, they do workshops uh, weekly and they have some really, really good educators in there. I think if you're in Melbourne, that's the that's the spot to check out. There's a lot of stuff online. Really, like for, for myself, like I've been I've been setting up a, a website to teach people the fundamentals of, of blockchain. So it's uh, blockchaineducation.school. So I've just got like a, a few different things on there that sort of teach people uh, or try to run people through. But it's really I think you can only spark an interest because it's so complex and there's so many different moving parts. So you need patience. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And I think because we're all sort of used to these like hierarchical centralized <laughs> systems, um, it's hard to, to break out of that. Like we're, we're all, it's like it is a lot easier to just go, oh, someone else is looking after it. Like when it comes to security in particular, like um, like you were, you were saying, you have you have one one Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Have you got that? Uh, have you looked into security for that at all? I've, I've got a couple of Bitcoins and I've got them hosted on a hard disk with backups. <laughs> I self-host them. Okay, so, you, so you've got them like in cold storage? They are cold, yeah. Yeah, the computer is turned off. Air gapped. And I hope, I turn it off every now and then to make sure it works. <laughs> yeah, yes. so, so that's, I mean, there's, um, that's a whole other aspect you can get like the security, like just teaching the fundamentals of security with the blockchain because it comes down to personal responsibility and I mean I've 
learn that the hard way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what what like, you know, had had uh, BTC on USBs and like lost it and uh, all sorts of things. And yeah, more times than I'd uh, like to count, to be honest. <laughs> but um, but but it's good. I still believe in the tech, and I think it comes down to the individual. Like you need to be responsible for for your own crypto and that uh, or for, for yourself, really. And that's the way the world's moving. It is. <laughs> It is. I, th- I think uh, with technology, it's not really up to us anymore. Uh, technology has got the momentum that is changing every industry from different perspectives, different angles. Uh, the big cho- Bitcoin seems to be one major innovation that is changing a lot of things, almost like the internet, I'd say, how the internet changed and re-engineered a lot of industries. And um, I think the, the Bitcoin, the blockchain technology seems to have a similar effect. So uh, just on its own, I think it's worth learning about in a school setting. So what subjects are you actually inserting this into? Uh, everything, pretty much. Everything. So we've got, hmm. so all everything, everything that I do with the kids. Right? So I've got, I uh, teach Minecraft classes. We do, so on a Minecraft server, it's hosted between, we host it and we've got, uh, I think eight different schools on there from around the world. So mm, actually, okay. if you go to if, if you go to minecraft.ronaparkps.big.edu.au, you can watch our, our server in real time, which is pretty cool. That, so that's the 24/7 sort of learning space. So we do everything okay. from literacy to numeracy to coding to geography history. Oh, we've got the Papa Museum on there. They've, they've been building houses to withstand um, earthquakes, like simulated earthquakes. On, on, a part of the map in there. So everything you think of, we pretty much do through Minecraft. Even some of the Cisco stuff that we've been doing, we've sort of uh, translated into into Minecraft, so building networks within Minecraft and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I think like b- between like uh, Minecraft, Cisco, and like Dojo, I try to integrate as much blockchain uh, technology as possible in, in an ag- agnostic way. And these are primary kids. It's amazing. Primary school. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually easier, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if, you, if you're teaching like a group of kids about blockchain, then people my age and older, which is yeah, yeah. bizarre. And that's because uh, the older we get, the more accustomed we become to, as you said, hierarchical structures of how there's a central authority for everything, right? It's hard right. to get rid of that notion. So how do you go about talking about such authorities, tying this to the curricula? Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a tough one. Well, I think, I think like, looking at the, the philosophy of the school or the raison d'etre of the school, you probably have to have a look at our website and have a look at some of the, some of the stuff that's happening here because it's, we're doing stuff at a university level, but kids yeah. studying stuff at a university level that the curriculum doesn't really uh, accommodate. Like, it doesn't accommodate at all. Like, you're looking at NAPLAN scores or, you know, my score or whatever, whatever it is. And, again, that's another centralised, trusted third party that we're sort of judging kids on. And our school's trying to move away from that as much as possible. And I think there's, like, if you look at uh, uh, Zhang Zhao, he's a pretty famous educator. He's um, mm-hmm. Chinese-American. His, his big thing at the moment is uh, it's called enhanced human talents. So focusing on what people are talented in instead of, you know, worrying about what, what they're sort of bad at or, or not so good at, mm-hmm. um, which I find really exciting. So I think 
that sort of mirrors what we're we're doing in school here. So there's kids really doing amazing things, and they maybe their handwriting's no good, or you know they're not that great at maths. But I don't think that sort of matters. Like you, you focus on their passions, not not what their not their weaknesses. So yeah, make them stronger and what they're strong, instead of worrying about everything else. I think that's where they shine and uh, stand out. It's awesome. Well, um, we've got so much more to say. I wanted to ask you about Ethereum, but um, we are out of time. Actually, I'll ask you. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> now, I understand that the blockchain is, is not something that, you know, somebody who's working with Scratch right now <laughs> will be able to get working with, right, and, and build a cryptocurrency. But I know there's a technology called Ethereum, which has been built to make that sort of thing a bit easier. Is that right? And uh, if yes, could you tell us a little bit about Ethereum and, and how perhaps people can use it, say in education? As a platform. Yeah. It's a platform, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I think Ethereum is pretty cool. So essentially you can do like smart contracts and people are running their ICOs on there, so initial pie offerings. Is that like an IPO? Yeah, yeah, same sort of thing. So yeah. Basically, you have like it was a really successful one. Actually, we made uh, Bitcoin.com uh, yesterday, which is really cool. It was, mm. it was bizarre. My um, my mom sent me through an article like about Australia, and uh, like she she didn't read the whole thing, and I was like, oh yeah, this looks interesting. And it went it was talking about Australia's like really advanced with um with uh, blockchain technology and everything's happening here. And one of the big ICOs is Power Ledger, which is um is putting power on the blockchain, so peer-to-peer -peer power between houses. And they've done an initial point offering using the Ethereum network, hmm. and it's been really successful. But down just underneath that, we're on a park, like the first school in the world to uh, use blockchain technology in education. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> but that, that's that's one of the examples of uh, like what you can do with the Ethereum network. So yeah. if you learn the language, I forget what it's called, but there's a, a particular language that uh, Vitalik invented <laughs> for the Ethereum network. You can actually code, you like do your own ICO. So it's a, it's a programming language. It kind of looks like Python or Java or maybe simpler than that, but it's specifically written to create smart contracts on Ethereum, right? That, that's right. So how is a lot of the complexity behind it? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, there is is a bit of complexity behind it, but the hmm. we've actually had, actually there was someone at the blockchain center who's uh, I think he's gone back to the UK, but um, just before he left, like he was looking at doing some ICOs for different companies uh, within Melbourne, and um, he saw what was happening at the school, so he actually did a video tutorial that actually I'll send you guys a link to it because I'll hmm. put it on YouTube. Yep. Uh, for the kids to actually go through and. Uh, and look at some of the codes. So it's quite quite exciting. But there's, for any like uh, schools or anyone that wants to look at doing it, like launching their own ICO or using the Ethereum network um, in a bit of an easier way, there's a site that I just found the other day called uh, CoinLaunch.market, and that actually does the hard work for you, sort of thing. So if you have a, an idea for a an ICO that you want to uh, launch, you can you can do it through that. So um, I'm going to get the kids to have a look at that as well. <laughs> and how do they uh, get distribution? So how do they tell people to buy your coin? 
so they've actually got their own platform on here, so you get like a dashboard and it gets publicised through there. But um, yeah, essentially people do their own websites, they write a white paper, so kind of like Satoshi's white paper, people write their own white papers and then try to be as transparent as possible. The The only issue I've got with ICOs is there's been like a number of them that have just been cash grabs. So essentially doing kind of the same, I suppose, as um, the crowdfunding. What's the big crowdfunding? Oh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Yeah, you know, like there was a bunch of Kickstarters that like said, yeah, we can do this. Like there was that, there was a cool, um, was it lily pad or something? Like the, it was meant to be like a drone that followed you. And then they were like, mm. oh, yeah, that was just a video. We didn't actually know oh, how to make yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, yes. Like the, <laughs> And they kind of take people's money in here. So, like, there's been a few. It's kind of the same sort of thing as that. Like, people have gone, yeah, we're going to do this on the blockchain and then haven't kind of followed through. Like, maybe they don't know what to do or it's just cash go. So, then, yeah, there's a bit of, like, yeah, kind of grossness as well, like, to some of the ICOs. But overall, I think it's a positive thing. Like, anything that's sort of decentralized and uh, or distributed, should I say, um, and sort of moving forward with, with the tech, I think it's good. Kevin, that's, that's fascinating, but I want more. Have you got any more examples of applications of the blockchain? Yeah, there was a really cool one, actually. So I was chatting with the kids just about, uh, like, the big debate between vaccinations. So, like, you know, it's, a, uh, it's pretty controversial. Like, people say it causes autism or doesn't and whatever. We can kind of do away with that debate altogether by authenticating the... Um, like the compounds and the ingredients that go into vaccinations and making that completely transparent on a blockchain. Like, simple. Mm. <laughs> Overnight to the links. Uh, other that was pretty, pretty mature, like, thinking as well. Right. Yeah. So what uh, we can do... I was going to say, at my yeah. kid's preschool, they're, they're not allowed to go if they're not vaccinated. So they could have their status of being vaccinated or not vaccinated in the blockchain. Exactly. So there's no it's question different. about it. You can't... You know, you can't mess around with documentation. Mm-hmm. But from a research point of view as well, what I'm thinking is that when a child is vaccinated, a note of that, information of that event is put into the blockchain, the age that they were vaccinated, whether they're showing any autism symptoms and the exact ingredients that were used or the, the batch of the vaccine that was used. And then over time, you've got a huge data set that researchers can use and pretty much prove or disprove the theory. I wonder if anybody's doing the whole quantified self thing as well hmm. in the blockchain. Sorry, go on. It's it's authenticated data as well. So like at the moment you sort of look at that data and it's it's kind of like, yeah, okay, where did this come from? Like, is it legit? Um, but if it was all on the blockchain and transparent from the get-go, so like from wherever it's manufactured to, you know, injecting whoever it is and then looking at the research after that, if that's all transparent on the blockchain, you it's authenticated, so you know that it's real. Yeah, awesome. Wow, great example. Well, um, I think we're just about out of time. Let's say that people with a million questions want to ask you those questions and explore more about this technology in education, in finance, mm-hmm. in um, entrepreneurship. Like, there's so many different angles you could look into this. How can they get in touch with you? and? Yeah. How many bitcoins per question? Oh yeah. How much? <laughs> how many bitcoins would you charge? <laughs> <laughs> now, well, everything like we we have visitors through the school pretty much daily, 
and I kind of run them like a, a lot of educators from all over the world come and visit and I run them through the gamut of, of uh, blockchain tech and how, how it can empower their schools. But we're totally open source. So everything we do is open source for anyone who wants to, wants to use it. So if you want to check out the website for the school, it's ps.fic.edu.au. Uh, if you want to check out my website, it's kdnolan.com. So kdnolan.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, awesome. Um, we're going to have those links in the show notes as well, uh, and because uh, I think they're really worth reading. And uh, I think you mentioned uh, a video on YouTube as well with some uh, instructional information there. We'll link that up uh, as well. We, yeah, and some of the other websites that you mentioned, we are also going to include them in for anybody who's interested. Don't worry if you didn't take notes. Uh, just visit the show notes and you'll find everything there in one nice place. And I'll be, I'll be um, presenting at EduTech, so I'll be keynoting about the first school on the blockchain there. So if anyone wants to come to that, more than welcome. So when is that on and which city? It's, yeah, Brisbane. I think it's on June 7th June. and 8th. 2018, yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll link to that as well. So EduTech 2018. I think it's announced already, so uh, yeah, no. I'd really come in and watch you. And uh, I think we're probably going to be going to the next one. As well. Awesome. Oh, we'll get to catch up. Yeah, it's in Sydney. It's in Sydney. <laughs> oh, it's in Sydney. Okay, even yeah, better. It's even better. Phew. I was like, oh my gosh. To <laughs> <laughs> Brisbane again. Well, it's been uh, a real pleasure. Like, I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, I'd like to follow up again maybe uh, in a few months from now just to, to see what else is happening in your world of blockchain education. And uh, I, I think this area is having a lot of action right now and uh, mm -hmm. things are happening not just the price i mean <laughs> you know blockchain is exploding all over the world you know if japan has adopted this as a national currency then uh, uh, there's other countries that will follow and uh, i'm very very happy about that and looking at blockchain voting systems mm -hmm. that's very promising i think democracy needs that not that i'm political i'm just saying <laughs> Well, <laughs> okay, Kieran, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. It's been fantastic, Kieran. Thanks, guys. We'll talk soon. That's all for this episode. If you have any questions or suggestions, please send them to our email address, questions at stemiverse.com, and we'd be happy to answer them. Do you want us to interview someone in particular? Let us know. Visit us at stemiverse.com to get the show notes of every episode. And subscribe on iTunes by searching for the name of our podcast, Stemiverse. That is S-T-E-M-I-V-E-R-S-E. -E -E. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.